From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. We talk faith, family, and fellowship on Tuesday, so start getting in line on the phone lines to talk with Father Wade Menezes. The number's 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is one 205 and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1-205-271-2985. And you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at ewtn.com. That's openline at ewtn.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Gubetsky and Jeff Burson handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live... You can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host is he is every Tuesday, Father Wade Menezes. How are you? I'm doing great, Jack. Thank you so much for that introduction of the team here on Open Line Tuesday. It's good to be with all of you. I'm still broadcasting this second week from Hillmar, California. So a shout-out to all of the parishioners here at Holy Rosary Catholic Church and Parish. So, Father Wade. You, you have obviously hacked into my personal journal for today's springboard topic. <laughs> Jack, is that pride that you're speaking from right now, or is that humility that you're speaking from right now? I hope the latter, Jack. Let's I hope go with the, the latter. latter. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, I want to talk about eight habits of highly effective fathers, because we are in the midst of summer, the midst of family vacations, the midst of cookouts the midst of some great feast days on the church's calendar, going back a month or so with Corpus Christi and then the Sacred Heart. And now we have uh, the, the uh, Assumption of the Blessed Virgin, followed by her coronation. And this month of July is the Precious Blood, of course. And so we've got a lot going on during these summer months. So a shout out to all the dads and even the granddads out there. I want to talk about eight habits of highly effective fathers, because I think fathers are kind of special during the summer months, being the leaders, the protectors, and the defenders of their families during these great summer months. And so uh, this is adapted from an article that actually comes to us from June of 2000 uh, from Catholics United for the Faith's magazine titled Lay Witness, uh, volume 21, number five. The article is by Chris Erickson, so a shout out to Chris. And uh, I want to just uh, share these eight habits of highly effective fathers that he shared in the article. I've adapted them a little bit in regards to discussing virtue and how virtue ties into these eight. But uh, number one, educate yourself in your Catholic faith. Know your Catholic faith. Defend your Catholic faith. Love your Catholic faith and share your Catholic faith, right? Number two, put what you learn into practice by forming good habits, 
Good habits. Bad habits equal vices. Good habits equal virtues. And we'll talk about virtues here in a little bit. Number three, teach Christ's truths to others through your own experience and through your own example. Share with others what you've experienced and how you got back on the right track, on the right road of life of virtue, and also live by that example. Uh, Number four, pray together as a family, and by this I mean in a multiplicity of ways, at Mass as a family, going to confession as a family, say once a month, and family prayer in the home, like the family rosary or a family walk with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, huh? Uh, Number five, spend quality time with your children, both individually and collectively. I think it's important for a dad to spend individual time with the individual child, but then also collectively with your kids, uh, collectively as a family, as, as, a, as a dad with his, his kids uh, together as a group. Number six, guard the windows to your soul, your soul, your wife's soul, and your children's soul. This is part and parcel with you being the provider, the protector, and the defender of your family, the priest of the home, huh? the Christ figure of a home. This is all very important. Number seven, be vigilant over your children's friends. What's the old maxim? Uh, Show me your friends and I'll show you your life, right? So bad friends equal bad life. Good virtuous friends equal a good virtuous life. So be vigilant over your children's friends. Number eight, make your home a place of tranquility and peace where your wife and children recognize it as a place of tranquility and peace, beginning with you and beginning with you loving your wife. So again, educate yourself in your Catholic faith, put what you learn into practice by forming good habits, that's virtues, teach Christ's truths to others through your own experience and through your own example. Number four, pray together as a family, like the Mass, uh, the Sacrament of Penance, and family prayer in and outside the home, even while recreating. Number five, spend quality time with your children, both individually and collectively. Number six, guard the windows to the soul, your own soul, your wife's soul, and your children's. Again, that's part and parcel with your duty as provider, protector, defender, the priest of the home, the Christ figure of the home, to ward off all evil from the threshold of your home, the threshold of your doors into your home. Number seven, be vigilant over your children's friends. And number eight, make your home a place of tranquility and peace, beginning with loving your wife. You know, Jack, the virtues give us a blueprint for being a man. Indeed, the very term virtue, V-I-R-T-U-E, comes from the Latin word for man, precisely as male, which is vir, V-I-R. So for the ancients, to be manly was precisely to be virtuous. Uh, The term virtue in Latin, virtus, signifies power, strength, and ability. Thus, the virtues are habits that give us the power to act in a manly way with strength sufficient to do what is right. Uh, Without virtues, we will neither be godly nor real men. Uh, Virtues are the building blocks of character, and without them, our moral lives will eventually collapse under the pressures of the world. So the Latin word for for male, man, precisely as a male, is vir, V-I-R, shares the same Latin root or is the Latin root for the word virtus, virtue. It signifies strength, power, ability. It's to be manly, right? Uh, A virtue is a habit or a power which enables one to perform an action with facility and competence. Virtues are either developed by practice over and over again, such as the four cardinal virtues of prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude, or they are infused by God, such as the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. The virtues are the fullest expression of the human person, 
for they manifest the precise powers and capabilities of the individual. So I want to challenge our dads today to call into Open Line Tuesday. Tell us what works for you in regards to an effective habit for you being a husband and a father, maybe a grandfather uh, also who maybe babysits your, your grandkids and you want to instill the virtues in them that you instilled in your own son or daughter who is now those grandchildren's parent. Give us a call. What are some of your highly effective habits as a Catholic Christian father or as a Christian father maybe of another faith if you're tuning in to Open Line Tuesday today? You know, the moral virtues, Jack, are the habits and powers perfected in a person by the performance of deliberate acts. These powers concern the basic human capabilities we have for doing moral good or moral evil, and they are contrasted uh, to the intellectual virtues which concern the development of our human power to know the truth and seek the truth, and also the supernatural virtues which orient the person toward God through God's own sanctifying grace as an object to be possessed, working in and through the person. The four fundamental moral virtues, also called the four cardinal virtues I just mentioned, again, are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And the three fundamental supernatural virtues, also called the three theological virtues, I said, are faith, hope, and charity. Get this, all of the moral virtues are ultimately reduced to prudence, which is the virtue that enables one to accomplish good in the practical order of things. Prudence may be defined as right reason in action, quote, end quote, right reason in action, I love it, as stated by St. Thomas Aquinas following Aristotle. The aim of the moral life is the development of the moral virtues, for these are powers enabling the moral agent to accomplish what is good with ease and facility. It ends up not being so difficult to carry these good actions out. Development of the virtues also brings about a reordering of our fallen human nature caused by the original sin that places us more fully in the service of reason, love of God, and love of neighbor. The moral virtues are moral prerequisites, we could say, for the supernatural virtues and possession of the supernatural virtues through the gifts of grace, which enrich and enhance the moral virtues. So let's hear it for the four cardinal virtues of prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, and the supernatural theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And let us not forget that from these, working in and through the person by God's grace, develop into other virtues, which are also gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit uh, and powers of the Holy Spirit working supernaturally at a supernatural level in the person, the seven uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit and the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget those virtues as such, working in and through the person, right? Uh, that's very, very important. So let's hear it for the moral life and for dads leading the way. I think this is very important. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord, and the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. 833-288-EWTN. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, during the month of July, Holy Mother Church encourages us to honor the precious blood of Jesus by making an act of love to the precious blood every day of the month. And you can do so by praying the chaplet 
of the most precious blood. How many of you even knew there was a chaplet of the most precious blood? This chaplet is composed of 33 beads in memory of the 33 years of Jesus' life on earth. Our, the Our Father prayer is recited 33 times in honor of the 33 years of the precious blood that flowed in the veins of Jesus before it was all poured out on the cross for our salvation. The beads are separated into seven sections that correspond with the seven times that Jesus shed his precious blood. That was at his circumcision, his agony in the garden, scourging at the pillar, his crowning with thorns, the shoulder wound and other wounds from carrying the cross, the crucifixion itself, and the piercing of his side. The beads are red facet cut glass. Uh, The center and crucifix are silver-plated base metal, and this is imported from Italy. That's the Chaplet of the Most Precious Blood, a beautiful little uh, devotional, and it comes with a uh, card that explains the devotional to you as well. It's available now at EWTN's Religious Catalog. That's EWTNRC.com. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Those of you watching on YouTube and Facebook Live, can now see Father Wade Menezes. We had a little technical difficulty, and I apologize to those of you who no longer get to look at me, but you have to look at Father Wade now. But uh, <laughs> he is—he uh, assures me that the, the 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 lighting is no reflection on his spiritual state right now. That's right. We're we're a little shadowy and dark over here <laughs> in Hillmar, California, only because the rectory's not getting some good lighting midday here. So, <laughs> so grab one of these open phone lines at 833-288-3986. First up today is Robert in Owensboro, Kentucky, listening on Savior Radio. Robert, you are on with your fellow Kentuckian, Father Wade Menezes. What's up, Father Wade? Hey, Robert, how are you doing? Is it, it, what, uh, Robert, you want to say your last name? Do I, or sim- simply say, do I know you? You know me, just okay. north of you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. What's well, your game plan? What's your game plan? I like how you're I, using the so, sports metaphor here. Yeah, so this is the first time I've ever called in, but first, first thing is, I think, getting up in the morning, and I'm not talking about physically getting up. So when I think about my wife and I think about my kids in the morning, that's what gets me up first. I don't want to get up, but I get up. And the second thing is prayer, whether that be the sign of the cross or go immediately into the glory be, that's it. And then the third thing is making my bed. And not only making my bed, but it's a concrete action of making it well. Because I know for myself, I, you know, being a slob, um, that it's a, it is a concrete action and then trying to do it well. Now, I don't advise everybody, if you're married, to do it while your wife's still in bed, but make your bed. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a good thing to recommend there, Robert. <laughs> Very good. You know, <laughs> making your bed, believe it or not, can have a positive effect on your mood, the experts tell us. It can make you feel more relaxed and happy because you're more organized. And this is through a number of studies, people who suffer from, from different conditions like, like not being able to sleep or they're just not happy in the first part of the day and possibly not even the, the latter part of the day. When they began to make their beds regularly and consistently in the morning, all these things changed for the better. All these areas changed for the better. So you make some good points. And what I like about your suggestions, Robert, is that they encompass both the spiritual 
and the temporal, right? Because we're a body-soul composite. I've said it many times on Open Line Tuesday. We don't have bodies. We are bodies. We don't have souls. We are souls. This is how intimate and intricate the body-soul compositeness is in the human person. So we can't focus just on the spiritual. We surely can't focus just on the temporal, the secular. We need a combination of both, and your game plan uh, helps to solidify that reality. Anything else you want to add, Robert? That's it, Father. It's great talking to you. Y'all keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for your call, and we really appreciate it. So the importance of beginning with prayer, uh, with a, simultaneously, a simultaneous thought about your spouse and your children, it, it gets you going, it gets you up, uh, make your bed for orderliness, feel, feel good about yourself, and uh, some just general good plans there encompassing, again, both the spiritual and the temporal. We have a rule in our house, the last one out of bed has to make the bed. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> so that's part of Jack's game plan right there. <laughs> that's right. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Grab one of these open lines at 833-288-3986. We had a couple callers early in the program that couldn't hang on, Father Wade. Rolando in Illinois wants to know what he should say to a pantheist who says God coexists with the universe. Well, I would ask that pantheist to simper distingue, to always uh, make a distinction what he means by that. So to say that God coexists with created matter and created reality uh, in a material sense, and that God is the matter per se, qua the matter, I would say that's wrong. But to say that God coexists with creation because God himself as pure spirit always exists and could never decay, and thus is the one holding up the creation in existence, uh, would be absolutely correct. So that pantheist needs to explain by what he means by the fact that God coexists with creation. Uh, the former, no, it's wrong. But the latter that I just explained uh, would be Catholic Christian doctrine, be Christian doctrine in general, Catholic Christian doctrine in particular, uh, defended by the church uh, fiercely throughout the centuries, in fact, uh, over the course of the different heresies. So we believe that God holds all things in existence. Uh, if he did not, things would be immediately annihilated. Nothing can sustain on its own effort. Uh, God holds all being in existence. He himself is pure spirit. He's manifested uh, to us through the God-man Jesus Christ, who revealed the other two divine persons as Father and Spirit in language that we could understand and take into our own intellects and wills to want to desire and love and unite ourselves with him, the Trinitarian God, one God and three divine persons, three divine persons and one God. But to say that God is the creation the material itself and coexists as the material itself would be wrong. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Joey in Alabama also called, and he says, Father Wade with an exclamation point. Other than deliberately missing Mass, are there any other grave sins of omission? Yes, there are. I would say the other five uh, precept laws of the church would be grave omissions. So what are the five precepts? Well, first of all, we have you shall attend Mass on Sundays and on holy days of obligation and rest from unnecessary servile labor. 
Uh, that's the first one. The second one, and that's the one that our, our uh, writer in there on the sidebar of, of YouTube is asking. Number two, you, or, or a caller from the previous show, excuse me. Number two, you shall confess your sins at least once a year. Number three, you shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at least during the Easter season in a state of grace. Number four, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church. And number five, you shall help to provide for the needs of the church according to your means. So, uh, why do we have the five precept laws that are self-imposed by the church's magisterium itself, the teaching authority itself? I'll tell you why, and it's a beautiful reason why. The five precept laws, Jack, when they are automatically carried out and lived, they automatically, by their very nature, ensure at least a minimum practice, or a, at least a minimal practice, of one's Catholic faith. And Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, being just that, a Holy Mother, uh, just as any natural mother would want to see her children practice the faith at least minimally, uh, so does Holy Mother Church, the Catholic Church, the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And the five precept laws thus imposed by her own authority, which she has the jurisdiction to do, um, ensure what she calls in her documents a bare minimum practice of the Catholic faith. So not only uh, does our caller from the previous show of Dr. Andrews' call to communion ask about the first precept, you shall attend Mass on Sundays and on Holy Days of Obligation, rest from unnecessary servile labor, and if you miss that, it's obviously a, a, a grave sin of omission. Are there any other grave sins of omission? I would say yes, the remaining four. And also, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, where charity is to be given and it is not, I would say could have a good argument that uh, it's, it's a sin of omission. Maybe not grave in every circumstance because it doesn't involve a grave situation, but it would still be a sin of omission, omission excuse me, wherever uh, charity is absent and it should not be absent. And uh, one more thing I want to say about uh, the, the previous question about uh, does God coexist with creation as the pantheist believes, if that is indeed how he was asking the question of his Catholic friend. Remember, First Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God, referring, referring to Christ, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Indeed, he is before all things that are. And in him all things hold together. And in him all things hold together. God sustains all of creation in existence. Just wanted to mention that as well. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free telephone call anywhere in North America. We want to hear from the dads today in particular. 833-288-3986. Um, we're in no man's land on the clock, Father Wade. Um, what else? Do you what have do we to got say? going here? What What else do you What else do you have to say about being a great father? Well, when it gets down to the brass tacks of it all, I'll tell you exactly what it comes down to: the imperative to evangelize for the father and the mother and the children, of course, to the best of their ability, according to their age bracket and age group, uh, the imperative to evangelize given to us by Vatican II, given to us by the life of the church. You know, uh, the, the church's document on the laity, uh, 
The Apostle of the Lady says that on all Christians rests the noble obligation of working to bring all people throughout the world to hear and accept the divine message of salvation. And if the family and marriage are the nucleus of society, which the church teaches they are, then it's from that nucleus that all of this begins by virtue of one's baptism and confirmation, sustained by regular Eucharist and regular confession. And uh, the, the Second Vatican Council's document on the missionary activity of the church, Agentes, says this, every disciple of Christ is responsible in his or her own measure for the spread of the faith. Every disciple of Christ is responsible in his or her own measure for the spread of the faith. What does that mean, in his or her own measure? It means according to one's vocation and state in life. It will differ from the active missionary preacher-priest, like myself, a member of the Fathers of Mercy, uh, from the father who only has, you know, three children under five at home, you know, who has a full-time job, but yet he can still evangelize according to his vocation and state in life, even though his mode to do so and my mode to do so are different. But these are imperatives for all of us, right? Uh, and, and Vatican II teaches us very clearly, and it's sustained by the sacramental economy and our staying active in the sacraments of the church. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. A couple of open lines at 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Right back to the phones we go. Next stop for us is the Republic of Texas. Joe is in San Antonio listening on Guadalupe Radio. Joe, thanks for holding. You're on with Father Wade. Hello, Father Wade. My name is Joe, and uh, this morning I woke up and I read my daily reflection and Bible verse, and it was referencing honoring God's name. And then it, it, it also went into the, uh, the Third Commandment about using the Lord's name in vain. And my question is, is that, is it only using God's name derogatorily that you can dishonor His name? I mean, I've heard guys use it in jokes, not as God being the butt of the joke, but as God being part of the joke. And, you know, it'd be like what God said to this guy, and, and there's the punchline. You know, it wasn't like God was the actual subject of the butt of the joke. And it made me right. curious and a little nervous because I'm thinking, oh, my God, am I living in mortal sin right now? And I took your advice about, and I take your advice about going to confession once a month, and I'm thinking, okay, i got to get in there a little bit sooner now. So that's my question. Is, is using God's name in a bad way the only way to use it in vain, or, or if you're using it casually and not with honor and reverence and respect, can that also be a way of breaking the Third Commandment? Yes, it could be. It could be. Now, whether it's mortal or venial depends on the gravity of the situation and or the gravity of the joke. Uh, at, the, at, at the least, it's a bad habit to use God's name even casually. Like, uh, you know, oh my gosh, but instead of gosh, they say God. And a person says that constantly throughout the day, whenever they're surprised. It's, it's just a bad habit. It's not necessarily a mortal sin, because they have no forethought to it. They may not even realize that it could be considered grave matter to do it so often. They just do it because they're not formed properly. Remember, in order to sin, you have to will it, number one. You have to will to do it. Uh, as such, quote-unquote. Secondly, for a mortal sin to be present, you need three things. Grave matter, it's done with fullness of knowledge that it's grave matter, and it's done with deliberate consent of your will anyway. Grave matter, 
done with fullness of knowledge that it's grave matter and done with deliberate consent of your will. So when it, so in a in, in a cute clean joke like maybe it's a gate a, a, um, a joke about the the gates of heaven with Saint Peter standing there and God says something to Saint Peter. It's a very cute a very clean joke. It doesn't constitute grave matter. So at most it would be venial because remember for a mortal sin to be present, all three items have to be present. Grave matter done with fullness of knowledge and done with deliberate consent of your will. If any one or two of those are missing, you have a venial sin. So at the very least, it would be a bad habit to tell such jokes on a continuum. It would be a bad habit to use God's name casually, not in vain when you're cursing, but just casually like, oh my gosh, but instead of saying gosh, you say God. Uh, Those would be wrong things to do. At At the least, they're bad habits, and we want to try to correct ourselves. But I want to take it one step further, Joe. Uh, We don't only dishonor God's name by using God's name per se uh, in a a bad joke or in a clean joke, uh, mortally or venially. Uh, We can also dishonor God's name by misusing the tongue, uh, by misusing our mouth, uh, calumny, lying, uh, gossip, um, grumbling, uh, profanity, which we've already mentioned, using the Lord's name in vain, precisely as in vain, um, and, and so forth. So we want to avoid all those things. You know, there's a great passage in St. Faustina's diary, Divine Mercy in My Soul. She says, it never seems to faze me how merciful God just really is when he permits me to receive his body, blood, soul, and divinity and Holy Communion on my tongue when my tongue has yet been um, the force, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, has been the force of so much non-good in such things as talking about other sisters behind their back, She's, this is St. Faustina who was a nun, or grumbling behind my mother's superior's back, uh, and yet he deigns to come to my tongue, because it's her tongue who receives him in Holy Communion. So, you know, in our morning offering, when we make our morning offering, when we get up, uh, Pray to have custody over the senses, the five senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and pray to have custody over the four primary faculties of the soul, intellect, will, memory, and imagination. Why? Because these nine gifts, the five bodily senses and the four faculties of the soul, are great, great gifts, and we want to sanctify all nine of them. We want all nine of them to be used in ways that, that are good, uh, holy, that pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful, as opposed to the opposites of the good, the true, and the beautiful, which would be what? Um, the bad, the false, and the ugly is opposite of the good, the true, and the beautiful. The bad, the false, and the ugly. Well, we don't want our five bodily senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and the four faculties of the soul, intellect, will, memory, and imagination, to be used to promote those three evil things, but rather to pursue and promote the good, the true, and the beautiful. So uh, we don't want to get scrupulous. Uh, is it always and everywhere a mortal sin if I happen to use God's name even casually in a clean joke? No, it wouldn't necessarily be a mortal sin, because all three elements have to be present in mortal sin, and grave matter is not necessarily present there. Uh, if it was a dirty joke, yes, grave matter would be present there. But at the same time, Telling such clean jokes casually with God's name on a regular basis is a bad habit. 
So bad habits are at least venial if it's not grave matter, and we want to overcome such bad habits. So pray daily for the custody of the, of the bodily senses, the five of them, and pray daily for the custody of the four primary faculties of the soul. For example, we've heard before, uh, you know, one to pray for custody of the eyes. You know, I, I pray for custody of the eyes when I'm out in public, you know, that my eyes will be used for holy things. And if I do see a beautiful woman, I, I thank God for such beauty, but I don't objectify her and I don't make her an object of, of my um, bad thoughts by, uh, by objectifying her. But instead, I, I see her and I thank God for such a, a beautiful creature made in his image and likeness and I, I move on. This is training oneself in virtue. And this is what I mean by pursuing the good and the true and the beautiful. You know, sometimes you'll be at, at, a, at a store shopping and you happen to get in the checkout line with your cart and uh, a, a beautiful woman comes in front of you, Joe, that, that has the, the physical characteristics that you find attractive and indeed you find her very attractive. And, and you didn't go looking for her. She happened to get right in front of you in line with your grocery cart. Okay, well, what are you going to do with that now? Well, if you're trained in virtue, you can continue staying there and not be bothered by it, and instead thank God for such a beautiful creature. But if you're not trained in virtue yet, and you're going to stand there and objectify her from, from behind, then it's probably better to make an act of the will right then and there and say to yourself, you know what, dear God, by your grace, I'm just going to move to another line of register here to check out my own items, because I, I'm not there yet. I'm not at that level yet where I could continue to stay behind her. This is training oneself in virtue. So you have two men at the same store, and this, this event happens, this incident happens to both of them. You might have two different responses from the two men, because one is more trained in virtue, and one is not trained in virtue. So, but he's working on it. He's trying to work on it diligently. You know, we, we cannot confuse the natural gift of, of heterosexuality and admiring a woman in public that happens to have the physical characteristics that we admire and find attractive as an automatic sin. That's not the case. You can thank God for such beauty, and there's no sin in that. In fact, there could be virtue in that. It's when you begin to objectify that the problem comes into play. So never forget that, Joe. So, you, so remember, grave matter done with fullness of knowledge and done with deliberate consent of your will is a mortal sin. If any one or two of those is missing, you have a venial sin. Okay? Great question. Thank you so much. Next up is Nancy, a first-time caller in the great state of Iowa, listening on Real Presence out of Bismarck, South Dakota. Uh, Nancy, you are on with Father Wade. Hi, Nancy. Are you there? Let's go to Nicholas. He is another first-time caller. He is in Butte, Montana today, listening to EWTN on WQOV Radio. Uh, Nicholas, you're on with Father Wade. Hi. Hi, Nicholas. Um, I got a question. Um, I don't. I used to go to church a lot when I was younger, and mm -hmm. I used to go with my grandma, but she's no longer with me. And every time, every time I drive by a church and stuff, it it hurts me not going, not being able to go back to church. And I've been having a whole lot of stuff going on with my life, my relationship stuff, and I don't know if there's anything that I sure. could work on. Yeah, sure, Nicholas. Sure, there is. You you can go back to church. In fact, how beautiful it would be for you to go to the parish office and tell the parish secretary that you'd like to have a triduum, meaning three, you'd like to have a triduum of masses said for your grandmother's blessed repose of soul because you have such fond memories of her when you used to attend mass with her regularly. 
And the parish secretary will tell you how to sign up to have masses said for your grandmother by name. And you'll get to know what those dates are when the masses are actually celebrated, and you go to that mass, and you pray for your grandmother's blessed repose of soul, you know? And if she's already in heaven, she doesn't need those prayers. They'll be applied to somebody in purgatory who can use them. But if she is in purgatory, those prayers are helping her, right? Or you don't even have to have a mass set for her right away. You could go to mass immediately and still offer that mass for her through your baptismal priesthood, not your ministerial priesthood, because you're not in holy orders. You're not a priest. You're a layman. So you offer that Mass through your baptismal priesthood. This is why at the words of offertory, we hear the priest say to the people after he's offered the bread and wine, I say bread and wine because the consecration hasn't taken place yet. This is right after the offertory. The celebrant says, Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Pray, brethren, or pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice, as, as a Catholic priest, and yours, and yours, laity, all of you in the pews. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. How is it that the priest can say that when only a priest can offer sacrifice? Because where the priest is offering the primary intention of the Mass through his ministerial priesthood, the people in the pews are offering the Mass in union with the priest through their baptismal priesthood. Both the ministerial priesthood, which is a sacrament, and the baptismal priesthood, which is not a sacrament, both partake in the threefold office of Jesus Christ as priest, prophet, and king. So you're able to enter into the Mass with the priest. This is what's meant by participatio activa or participatio actuosa, uh, the active participation of the Mass that Vatican II talks about, or the actual participation of the Mass that the Vatican, Second Vatican Council talks about in regards to the laity entering into the sacred liturgy with the principal celebrant. So you can offer the, your own intention for that particular Mass in union with the priest celebrant's primary intention. Your primary intention through your baptismal priesthood, Nicholas, could be for the blessed repose of your grandmother's soul, that's when you offer the intention, or you can see the parish secretary and sign up for three, four, five masses for your grandparent's soul, your grandmother's soul, and the day that they're celebrated, the priest's primary intention for that mass per se will be for the blessed repose of your grandmother's soul. How awesome is that? You can also offer your holy communions for your grandmother. When you receive the Holy Eucharist, you can offer that up as a pleasing sacrifice to God. Any, any meritorious moral act that is good, pleasing, and beautiful to Almighty God, whether it's a prayer, whether it's work, whether it's recreation and leisure, any pleasing moral act to God can be offered up as a pleasing sacrifice to Him for yourself or for another, Nicholas, known or unknown to you, living or deceased. So you can offer up your, your daily rosary for the holy souls in purgatory. You can offer up your daily divine mercy chaplet for your deceased grandmother. There's all kinds of things you can do. But remember, Dennis, if you yourself are a baptized Catholic, which I presume you are, your grandmother always used to take you to Mass, you said, um, remember that without good reason, if we miss Mass, without good reason, like illness, for example, um, you are missing one of those five precepts that I talked about at the beginning of this hour on Open Line Tuesday today, on July 18th. You're, you're missing one of the five precept laws, so that could be a grave omission. But you don't know that till now, because I'm helping you to inform your intellect. So now you want to strive to be a better Catholic Christian, and you want to fulfill your Sunday Mass obligation, which by its very nature fulfills one of the, th one of the, uh, the first three of the Ten Commandments. The first three of the Ten Commandments, Nicholas, have to do with love of God. The remaining seven of the Ten Commandments uh, have to do with love of neighbor, beginning with 
um, honor thy father and thy mother, commandment four. Because even though they're your parents, they're also your neighbor, they're your fellow human being. So when we fulfill our Sunday Mass obligation, we automatically are fulfilling the, th- the, the three first commandments of the Decalogue of the Ten Commandments. So get back to Mass, talk to the priest, see the parish secretary, have a Mass or several Masses said for your grandmother's soul. I say Triduum three in honor of the Blessed Trinity. That's my big thing is to have a Triduum of Masses said for a particular intention uh, just because it's, it's in honor of the Blessed Trinity uh, and then for the intention itself. So does that kind of help you out, Nicholas? Yes, it does. Yeah, and, and Nicholas, I can promise you, you get back into a state of grace, my brother. I'm not saying you're not in one now, but if you only strengthen your state of grace, confess any mortal sin you might have, uh, confess any venial sins you might have, get, make, get back to Mass, make a good holy confession. Most, most parishes offer confession sometimes on the Saturday, sometime on the Saturday during the day before the Vigil Mass. It could be that your parish is different and offers it midweek, so just look at your parish bulletin or look at your parish's website online. Find out when confession is, and just tell the priest, you know, Father, I haven't been to Mass in a long time to fulfill my Sunday obligation. And I'm not trying to make excuses for myself, Father, but I quit going when my grandmother died because I had such beautiful memories of going to her, going with her to Mass, that when she died, it hurt me so much that Mass just kind of went by the wayside. If you explain that situa- situation to the priest, the priest will understand that, that you were experiencing a lot of the emotional uh, dilemma there because of your grandmother's passing. So your culpability is lessened. Your guilt is lessened for missing those many masses of your Sunday obligation. That's why it's good to tell the priest the situation because then he can help weigh just how grave these sins are. Objectively speaking, yes, it's a mortal sin to, to miss Sunday mass without a good reason. But subjectively speaking, there may be a mitigation there of the guilt or the culpability given the particular circumstance, given the particular situation. And I would say that that was part of the situation with you. You had such um, uh, a, a pullback of the faith through your grandmother's passing precisely because you had such beautiful memories of going with her to Mass that it made you fall by the wayside in regards to fulfilling your Sunday obligation. Explain that to the priest and he'll understand and make a good holy confession and start going back to Mass on Sundays. God bless you, Nicholas. Thanks for a great witness question. We really appreciate it. I'm sure your question today uh, helped a lot of people because uh, a lot of people have fallen away from their Sunday Mass and it's so, so easy to get back to weekly Eucharist and monthly confession. God bless you now, Nicholas. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. If you're an early bird, join us for Fathers Know Best Monday through Friday mornings at 4 a.m. Eastern Time right here on EWTN Radio. Drawing from the rich EWTN library, we bring you great retreat teachings, lectures, and exclusive EWTN programs hosted by priests you know and trust like Father Larry Richards, Father John Ricardo, Father Benedict Groeschel, and much more. That's the Fathers Know Best Monday through Friday morning, 4 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on EWTN Radio. Let's stay in the Republic of Texas. Christina is in Dallas listening on Guadalupe Radio. Christina, you're on with uh, Father Wade Menezes. Hi. Um, Hi, Christina. Father Wade, many years ago I heard you talk about um, at your home growing up that your father blessed each person before they left the house. And so I started blessing my children. But now they're um, all grown, and my youngest just got married. He just turned 20. And do I, can I still bless my children? And how about their spouses? Do I refrain from blessing them? I, I, don't, I don't want to make things awkward. 
Sure, sure. Well, what you want to do is you want to get a, a great Catholic book of blessings for families. There's several really good ones out there. If you go to EWTNRC.com and just put Catholic book of blessings for families on the search bar, several come up. They're all very good. So when you have a family gathering, for example, let's say it's the Christmas dinner or it's the Thanksgiving dinner, or you've all gathered at one residence for a particular one's birthday, you can most certainly offer a blessing to that individual or to the whole extended family gathered together as one group for a Christmas blessing or for the birthday blessing over the individual, because such blessings exist in these family prayer books, these family books of blessings. And it takes the awkwardness away because you're doing it precisely at a celebratory event. Now, does a parent always have the authority to bless their children, even when they're both older, the parent, let's their 60s and the child is in their 40s and the child's been emancipated from the home now for over 20 years. Uh, is it, can a parent still technically bless their child? Yes, they can. Once a, once a parent, always a parent. Now, can it become awkward doing it every single time? Yes, it could be overkill, and if it's overkill, the blessing loses its meaning, right? But you can surely pray for your grown children every day. But for And remember, they're emancipated from the home now themselves with their own families now getting established. So the hope is that they will begin to bless their families and their children who are still living in the home, just as we experienced ourselves when we were growing up, right? So for about your question regarding grown kids, I would say, yes, you definitely can still bless your children, but you're right in that you don't want to create an awkward situation if it's overly done. So I would say during family gatherings, whether it's a gathering for a particular one on their birthday, whether it's a family gathering for everyone, like Thanksgiving or dinner, to uh, if the father is still living, it's a beautiful thing as the priest figure of the home, the Christ figure of the home for the father, or in this case, grandfather, and possibly even great-grandfather, to impart it, and he can read it very simply, and even sprinkle the family with holy water. There's nothing wrong with that. Remember, we share in the threefold office of Jesus Christ through our baptismal priesthood as priest, prophet, and king. And while that's not a sacrament like the ministerial priesthood, the sacrament of holy orders, it shares in the, in the, in the threefold office of Christ as priest, prophet, and king, just as the ministerial priesthood does, the sacrament of holy orders. So yes, you can. You know, one of the th- this is probably what you heard me say in the past. Uh, one of the most beautiful things I ever saw at a wedding was when the, the father walked his daughter up in her wedding dress and veil, and they got to the front of the church. The groom was already up at the front with his groomsmen, and the father and the daughter walked up, And before the father handed her hand to his future son-in-law's hand, the groom's hand, what he did was he turned towards his daughter, she turned towards him, he lifted her veil just slightly enough, and he did not kiss her like many fathers do at that very moment at the beginning of the nuptial mass, the wedding mass. Instead, when he slightly pulled up her veil, she went down on one knee and curtsied before her father And he extended out his right thumb and blessed her on the forehead with his right thumb, something he had done to her ever since she was a little girl and he was putting her to bed at night. When she went off to college, he blessed her with his right thumb on her forehead in the sign of the cross, in the sign of the cross, okay? Then he put the veil back down. He helped her back up. Then he walked the the one or two last steps and handed her hand to his future son-in-law's hand. So he didn't give his daughter a kiss. He gave her a blessing, and it was the final one that he was going to give her 
as a single young woman, as his single daughter. It was his final one. And it was just beautiful. You know, I, I hate to say it, but in, in this day and age, kisses don't mean too much. You know, Judas betrayed with a kiss, right? Judas betrayed with a kiss. So a, a, a kiss can be misleading, you know? That said, it, it is a, a form of human affection, and, and they can be very sincere and very loving and very authentic. So I'm not, I'm not knocking kisses, okay? Uh, but, but I'm saying a blessing is, is, shows just as much love. A blessing shows just as much concern. A blessing shows just as much enjoyment for the occasion as, as a kiss does, in that case, with the father and his bride. Does that help answer your question, uh, Christina? Yeah. Yes, thank you very much. You're very, you're very welcome. God bless you now. Quickly, we'll head to Steve in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, listening on Holy Family Radio. Hi, Steve. Just a couple minutes left with Father Wade. What's your question today? Okay. First of all, Father, thank you so much for that explanation about uh, the nuptial briefing. I have three daughters. Can't wait to do that with them. Here's my question. So at Mass, I have a copy of the Recolta, and there are lots of aspirations and ejaculations that you can pray throughout the throughout the day if you want, but I'm wondering, am, am that's something I should be doing during the Mass, like during the consecration, uh, during the Eucharistic prayers? Uh, does, that, does that question make sense? Is that, can I be doing yeah, that kind of Yeah, it does make prayer? sense. Yeah, the mind of the Church is that personal piety is not to usurp the universal piety of the Church. So, for example, you wouldn't want to pray the Rosary during the Mass itself, because the Church wants us to have actual participation, active participation, which doesn't necessarily only mean saying the responses out loud vocally or, or the singing out loud. It means entering into the mystery. And what we mean by mystery is that the act that we're doing that we only know to do because it's been revealed to us by Jesus Christ. We wouldn't have known to celebrate the Mass unless Jesus celebrated the Last Supper to show us how. That's what we mean by mystery. In Catholic uh, teaching and nuance, the word mystery, quote-unquote, means that which has been revealed to us that we would not know otherwise unless it was revealed. Okay, The sacred mysteries is what the Eastern Church, in union with Rome, calls the seven sacraments, for example, because we wouldn't know about the seven sacraments unless Jesus revealed them to us. Okay, So in the celebration of the sacred liturgy, which is the celebration of any of the seven sacraments, but you're asking specifically about the Mass, one of the seven sacraments, that is to say, per se, the sacrament of the Eucharist, we should not be praying the Recolta, we should not be praying the Rosary, we should not be reading the lives of the saints during the Mass, we should be entering actively and actually into the penitential rite at the very beginning, followed by the Kyrie, enter into the readings, have your own missalette of the readings for that day, or subscribe to one like Magnificat or One Bread, One Body, or the word among us, those good ones that are out there, then enter into the journal intercessions when they're prayed aloud by the deacon or the, the lector and began and ended by the priest with his opening prayer and closing prayer of the universal prayer, also known as the general intercessions. Um, then we enter into the Eucharistic prayer, the high point of the Mass, along with the reading of the Gospel at the consecration. This is what we do. Now, you can, you can memorize some prayers in the Recolta for Holy Communion time so that you can say them when you get back to the pew after communion, but don't read the whole Recolta during the Mass. Great question. Thank you so much, Steve. And Robin watching us on YouTube says she loves all the open line shows. A nice brush of fresh air during the middle of her usually crazy days. Be well and thanks again. We're grateful for those kind words, Robin. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always, St. Joseph. 
Terror of Demons. Pray for us. On behalf of our host, Father Wade Menezes, producer Michael McCall, call screener Matt Kubensky, and social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, God bless.